Hello everybody, welcome to the 16th episode of the World of Brick Films podcast. I'm your host, William of AW Studios. Joining me today is uh, my good friend and co-host, Sean Willis of Silly Penta. Hello. And joining us today is Ethan of um, Mighty Wanderer. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you, how you doing, alright? Doing pretty good, how about you? Yeah, cool. Um, congratulations on uh, coming second place alongside Sloth on uh, Thak. Yeah, thanks. So this is the first time you've... Uh... Placed in top three of Thack, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is. I think last year I got seventh. I don't even remember what that was called, but still moving up, I guess. Yeah, and I noticed recently that you've been entering since Thack 9 and haven't missed a single one yet. Yeah, I guess this makes this my seventh Thack, and I don't plan to stop now. So hopefully <laughs> I can make that at least 10 before I take a break. Cool. So actually, this is your uh, 10th anniversary, actually, as a, as a brick film, is that right? Uh, I think next year is going to be my 10th yeah. anniversary because i joined no 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 no. i joined uh, february 2011 so this is my eighth anniversary because i did the thack immediately after i joined and i've done seven of those yeah but my anniversary is on like the 25th or something but it seems like your the earliest stuff you have uploaded to your channel that you've you've shared recently enough was dated 2009 um which things are those? The yeah, uh, from the corners of the brick box, or was that the name of the the series? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, okay. I don't really consider starting brick filming until I really got into bricks in motion because I did like a couple test things like those, or just messing around with friends. But I guess those count. I just didn't really count them. Yeah, I think we all have that early periods that we don't consider to technically count right and i know i have things before then that i've lost like uh, the very first thing that i did i i remember very vividly doing this and it was a really long time ago remember those old star wars uh battle packs there was the drop ship for the stormtroopers and then the ground ship for uh the rebel alliance i had gotten those two the old one not the new one and for the rebel one I decided to make a video where I would put it on top of a long plate, position the camera so you couldn't see the plate, and then just like slide it across the screen as I was doing dialogue in a video on just a point and shoot camera. And I made like two shots and and that was it. (laughs) Pretty classic techniques there. So did did you just come up with the idea yourself or were you watching things at the time that gave you the idea to try break filming? I think I was inspired by the Lego Star Wars official contest from 2007. All right, so that was all the way 2007. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, I want to do something like this. Unfortunately, I don't know how to make them move on my own, so I'll just slide it across the screen. It's the (laughs) next best thing. That contest did get a lot of people into brick filming. Yeah, this would have been 2008, because that's when the Imperial dropship came out. So... Technically, last year would be my 10th anniversary if we're going with furthest back. So I'm guessing you would have seen things like uh, Average Death Star Day? Probably. I don't recognize the name. Okay. I did go through and watch most of those that were listed on the LEGO website. I remember Garrett Barati had one, right? That was um, the Built by Me contest the next year. Well, in 2008. Okay. So maybe that's what you're thinking of. I don't know. No, uh, I remember there's that Boba Fett one. Yeah. Uh, oh, was that the average Death Star Day? There's one that's called Boba Fett. Oh, maybe that's it. And there was one that had the 
uh, separatist droids on one of the wooded planets. Oh, was it Endor? Yeah, I think it was Endor. Oh, gosh, man, it's been so long. Do you have a <laughs> wiki page for that that I could look at the entries? But Yeah, although very few of the entries are still around. Oh, that's that's sad. I watched that Boba Fett one multiple times because I thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> um, and then I just thought the droid one was cool because, like, droids getting smashed and somebody made... Oh, it had General Grievous in it, didn't it? Because I seem to remember his ship. Uh, I think I know that one, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's um, a remote location. Maybe it's the other winner. One of the winners has Grievous in it. Yes, an average yesterday is the one with Boba Fett. And remote location is the one with the droids and General Grievous. Wow. Dang. Okay. Oh, wow. This wasn't even... They just, like, moved them around for this one. That must be where I got the idea from. This yeah. one is just videos, and they moved them by their feet individually. Yeah, remote location is, I think, entirely live action. This is really clever, honestly. Why didn't this get higher than the Boba Fett one? Well, it won the category it was in, the age bracket. Oh, 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 it was an age bracket thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. 12 and under, 13, 17, 18 plus. Yeah. Okay. But the funny thing is, you know, plenty of the entries to the 18 plus age bracket that were coming from BrickFilms.com would have been leagues above that. But they weren't viewed by the judges. Yeah, that's that's been a thing with LEGO contests. Totally watch every every entry that comes in. You know, people like Smeagol and Nick Duran entered that. Uh, well, I don't know if they would have been 18 plus at that stage, but some other people would have been. And as far as everyone could tell, because they submitted so close to the deadline, their entries weren't actually watched. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense on their end if they don't give their criteria. They're just like, hey, oh, that one looks nice. We might as well stick that in the winner spot. It's possible that the deadline actually meant like that that was when the, they were going to have decided the winners by. That's dumb. <laughs> but oh well yeah. yeah so i've definitely yeah those two are the ones that i remember vividly and now going back and watching that i am positive that's what inspired me to just like slide the thing along well that's interesting it's kind of that's funny to um figure out live on the podcast yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it's like we're we're writing your own history for you yeah <laughs> appreciate it man yeah, but I think it's kind of, it is interesting though, like how um, if you kind of really sort of think about when you start out, it is always a bit kind of like, well, technically, you know, you could say like years before, you know, like, uh, I mean, technically I've been sort of doing stop motion for since 2014, although it's kind of like iffy, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so you, you, so you joined actually, you actually joined Bricks of Motion in 2011. Then. Yep, sometime during February. So we're coming up on my eighth anniversary. So when you joined, uh, who were like your biggest inspirations then? Uh, so at that time, uh, Garrett Barati, for one, because I remember seeing his Let's Play. Was that what it was called? Play Nice. Play Nice, yes. I, had, I remember seeing that and that had just stuck with me. So I was a big fan of that. I was like, yeah, I like this. I want to be able to do this. And... Other than that, I had found BrickFilms.com, and this was not long after the schism, right? A couple of years, but not too far out. In recent months, I had also been browsing BrickFilms.com, so I had found a bunch of random stuff that I liked there, like Monkey See a Monkey Do. I remember that one. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And then 
I think I swear, I swear it was on a Brothers Brick article that was advertising toy, the Tales of Yore or something. Uh, um, maybe it wasn't Tales of Yore. Was that in Brick Journal by any chance? Did you read That's that? That's also possible. I didn't read Brick Journal. It was uh, it was a website. Okay. I'm positive it was advertising Tales of Yore, which now that I think about it is weird because that was back in February, but maybe it was ahead of time. But still, it was advertising that I went to Bricks in Motion. I was like, whoa, there's a whole forum of people. And then I just like closed it down. And then a few days later, I went back and actually made an account. And at that point, I could not find the article that I had found it by. So my how I actually found Bricks in Motion is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> and it, it wasn't through any particular brick filmer, which is that's why I bring it up. <laughs> so at that point, I didn't really know people a whole lot. Um, Except for, like I said, Garrett, because he also did the SpongeBob, the Christmas one. Yeah. Don't be a jerk, it's Christmas. And I had seen that too. And so I, I was familiar with him from those two things. And I had seen Spite Your Faces, Han Solo, what is it called? Han Solo Affair. Affair, yes. Yeah. So that was also fresh because that was on the Lego website itself. That's a true, bunch yeah. of random stuff from no individual source. That kind of drew me there. Hmm. And then I got started on my own. I'm trying to think if we've had an episode yet that where Spite Your Face haven't come up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the podcast bingo, that. <laughs> well, it makes sense considering they had Han Solo Affair up there and then a bunch of other stuff that's gotten really big. Yeah, and, and even though Han Solo Affair is from 2002, they did keep it up on Star Wars pages for many years after that. Man, I was disappointed when they took it down a few years ago, because that was it. Was, it's a staple of the Lego Star Wars website, yeah. in my opinion. It is a shame they they don't really keep anything around on their their websites. Like, you know, the rebrick contests. All that's all the pages of those are all gone now. What? Yeah, they don't have past contests. No, I, I mean. Luckily, um, my brother and I saved all that stuff as it happened on the wiki page. So that's, I think, that's the only place where you can find most of the info now. That's really disappointing. But that just goes to show how quick they are to delete everything. That's well, that, really strange. I guess that means as well, then, because, like, um, with most things, you can just go on, like, the Wayback Machine. But I suppose if they actually get rid of the, the links, you just don't necessarily have the link to even find it, do you? Well, LEGO's websites are usually coded in a very bizarre way and they don't they're not compatible with wayback machine usually oh right what oh man yeah it's almost like they're doing it on purpose they're really bad for being able to save the history <laughs> obviously that's a pet peeve of mine very particular <laughs> to me yeah you better do those screenshots because otherwise it's gone <laughs> yeah sometimes i have resorted to just screenshotting things yeah but um but yeah i don't know if you probably didn't hear about this but they're moving rebrick contests to Lego Ideas now. Really? Uh, How is that going to work? Well, it's basically just the same, except it's on a different URL. But I, 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 they haven't done any stop motion contests yet on Lego Ideas, I don't think. Actually, that makes sense. Because they can compile all of the user-created content, content onto yeah. one website, whether it be a petition or a contest. So yeah, that makes sense. Also, Rebrick is kind of a weird name, honestly. <laughs> it is, yeah. It, it does make sense to compile it all. It's just a shame that they had to delete so much to do that. Well, they didn't have to, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> didn't have to, but they did. Which is, you know, 
completely start over. That's that's how we do things. Yeah, I mean, like you know, there was hundreds, maybe even thousands of entries to those rebirth contests that were all there. Probably thousands at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it does make sense to to sort of transfer it all over to um, Lego Ideas because it is kind of it does sort of connect. I think to um, that whole sort of side of things. I think so. Yeah, I think it. I think it makes sense. And may, maybe if they, but once they've changed it over to Lego Ideas, they won't feel the need to constantly delete stuff. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it'll be a bit more stable now. Yeah. Even so, I'm, I'm still gonna chronicle it as it happens. Yeah, I think you just have to. <laughs> just think about how many hidden gems could be in the thousands of entries <laughs> that are now being deleted. It's a shame. Well, at least. I don't. I don't think the Reaver contests really lent themselves all that well to particularly standout films, considering they usually had to be thirty seconds long. I mean, obviously you can make something good in thirty seconds, but I, nothing that would be like absolutely mind blowing that's going to be going missing. True. Yeah, I think as well, like because they're just so big, um, you know, so much stuff gets buried. I think you're you're likely just to watch the ones to win. I think. Oh sure. That's kind of a shame, though, because you know. They don't have the best track record of picking the most deserving winners. Well, they also do it at least partially. I don't know how it's weighted or anything, but they had voting for some of the contests, right? And the higher voted ones just uh, stayed on the front page. Oh, then just got more and more votes. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't recall if the winners were picked via votes, but if they weren't, I would be surprised if they didn't use the highest voted ones just to assume quality. But do you remember the the one that Panza Hat made for the Lego House Dream contest? I believe I watched it, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. But it's very short, but it was a, a guy essentially bouncing between uh, many different Lego teams, and it was extremely dense and very well done. And it, it, it didn't appear as a, a winner or runner-up at all. Huh. So I don't really have much faith in, the, in their choices. Mm. I mean, this is one example. Right. Yeah. I've always kind of just not been interested in taking part, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like, it's, I, I prefer the kind of, I don't know, the smaller contests, uh, just like, you know, the community contests, like, you know, Stuff and Bricks in Motion, that kind of thing, I think is, is more my kind of thing, you know? I entered one. It was the Batman one, and that was only because I had a thing that I wanted to do for it, so I figured I might as well. And it didn't turn out very well at all, but I still made something. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Nathan Wells did one, didn't he? For, for the Batman bro- one, yeah. Yeah. A bunch of Bricks in Motion people did. I remember, I think it was Pong Owl? He had a really nice one. Yeah, he had a really good one, really well animated. I remember and that. And it, it actually won something, right? I don't think so. Really? Ah, oh, I thought it got like a runner-up or something. I don't know if it was nominated in some other way, but as far as the winners and runner-up winners that the wiki has listed, he's not there. Oh. Oh well. <laughs> oh, one of those. One of those actual winners was pretty good one, if I remember. I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did Nathan Wells not actually win anything in that contest? No. <laughs> but you know, th- th- they're usually looking for. St- very particular styles and generally with those contests it was the the films that had things being taken apart and built up again is what they wanted 
and his didn't have that. And I, I don't think Pong Owls had any of that. One of the things I always feel as well with Rebrick is that um, I think their um, contest for... Because their contest for the Lego movie, the original one, wasn't that the one where they had the film's feature in the film? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like um, you can't really top that. And I think the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, like... They don't really, as far as I'm aware, I don't think any of the other ones are featured in, like, bonus features or anything like that. So it's not, I don't think it's ever going to have the same appeal, I don't think. Um, I think they did, did they not do the same for the Batman movie and the Ninjago movie? Or was it just a chance to be featured? The Batman movie had them on the DVD release. Oh, okay. okay. The Lego movie had them on screen. Yeah, in that climax scene. In the background, uh, I know Backyard Legos had one. Of, he had an, had an entry that was in the movie, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I don't think he won anything in the contest, but I guess they used it anyway. Yeah, the, I mean, there was definitely more films in it than there were winners. Sure, yeah, must have just been runners, runner-ups. Yeah, but... I don't think they did anything for the Ninjago movie though. I mean, they had a contest, but I maybe they did. They were going to feature some of those. I don't know. I do remember them using a phrase along the lines of, you will have a chance to be included in the movie. Hmm. So I guess they were just going to decide it later, but I haven't seen it, so I wouldn't be able to tell you what they did. I think that um, the in, in the Chicago movie, they may have actually drawn some inspiration from um, Sistoff's entry, because I don't know if you remember his entry for the Chicago movie, where um, it was the bus, where it was the guy with the axe, um, do you remember that one? I, I know his entry, but I, I'd, I'd have to assume it was just a coincidence. Yeah, and the bus, it kind of like, you know, it sort of ducks down as he lands, as he um, sort of sits on it, you know, and it, and you do get, there is a, I remember seeing the trailer, because I, I haven't seen the film, <laughs> but I've seen the trailer where they, they have that in it, but I don't know if that is just a coincidence or... It is interestingly similar, but I, I'd have to imagine that the film was more or less finished by the time the contest started. Yeah. Given the timing. Okay, so according to the wiki page, the Ninjago movie one also said that you'll have a chance to be on in the movie. And the Batman one, I don't know. <laughs> that one I know for sure was on the DVD. I guess we'd have to def- ask if anybody listening to this has seen the Lego Ninjago movie. <laughs> Are there any brick films featured within? <laughs> I want to know this now. Uh, oh wow, Rebrick is totally down now. Like it doesn't exist anymore already. Yeah, it's completely gone. Bang. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose we should talk about your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather than just sitting here reading wiki pages. Yeah, that works too. Um, actually, I had a sort of a question. Um, something that we've wanted to ask actually. Um, mm. because draw is probably one of the uh, most confusing uh, brick films <laughs> I think most of us have ever seen. So. Oh, classic. Um, yeah. Do you have like some insight into that that so you could sort of like tell us? <laughs> so, are you wanting me to tell you what is going on, uh, or hint towards? Yeah. <laughs> how to interpret it? Um. Okay. Let me see if I can phrase this in a mysterious way for you guys. <laughs> um. Well, for starters, the title is basically the theme, so it it does have to do with. A draw. Go on. <laughs> I don't know how much detail I want to get into. Because I, I like keeping it mysterious. Because, I mean, I've been asked questions about this for years. So it's it's just, 
it's entertainment for me at this point. I don't want to ruin that. But at the same time, I, I do want you guys to be engaged with the film. Um, you're still not going to understand it, even if I go into more detail. So that's probably, it's probably okay. Um, yeah, so the theme of the film itself is, like, that's, that's what I named it after, draw. As in, the main character is drawn away from himself and his character, if you will, towards the guy that I call him the machinist. Uh, and I think that's all the detail I'm going to go into. Funny, because I, I always kind of, um, what I'm watching it, sort of like, I've always interpreted maybe the the whole, like, mechanical and the, you know, the side of it and the, and the, the cogs and all that kind of stuff. It's like being in his mind. I've never, I, I'm not sure if that was, like, an intention or... Oh, wow. I've never actually thought of it in that way, because no, that's not... No, and the the final scene kind of proves that wrong, <laughs> unless you take it in a less than literal sense, which is fair. Well, I suppose I might as well ask about something that you might be able to answer in a more concrete manner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> more out of my own interest, because I want to uh, use similar techniques in the future, but when there is the light streaming in through the windows, and it's, uh, it's kind of blown out and nice and hazy surrounding it what was the setup for that um it was pretty simple actually i just built the room and stuck a lamp behind it and that was the only light was coming through the window there but i put wax paper over the window just taped some wax paper over that and that diffused the light and spread it out across the window so it was a nice even light coming through and it also gave it that hazy look because wax paper is it's it's kind of blotchy a little bit yeah so it kind of gave it that cool look. I did that for the window of the study as well, except that was more well lit overall. So it's not as noticeable of an effect. That's interesting. I was going to try out wax paper myself, uh, but I think that knowing now to not light the room so much if I want to have the nice hazy effect, I think that's the, the, the sort of knowledge I was hoping to gain. Yeah. So I didn't you. actually realize that was what it was until right now. But that's the only difference. I also did that technique for the window of the interview room in the film that I'm working on right now. I've posted a couple pictures of that a long time ago, like a year ago at this point, because that's when I was filming it. Uh, and I got kind of an in-between point there because the background of the room I kept darker than the actual character in the in the foreground. But I had the window like that, so I kind of got half hazy, I think. How long have you been working on your current project for? Because I know I've been seeing many very nice GIFs and images on Twitter for a long time. <laughs> so I started it for Spirit of Adventure. Okay, so that's, that's going back a bit at this stage. Just a little bit. I was gone for the first half of the summer. So I got back at the start of August and started writing the script. I finished the script mostly in that month. And then I was like, oh, well, now I'm never <laughs> not going to be for the contest anymore, I guess. <laughs> and so I kind of slowly, I, I tweaked the script and cut it down a little bit. I actually cut a bunch out because it was going to be way too long over the next couple months. And then October, November of 2017, I started grabbing voice actors. I got a couple friends to voice the other two main characters, and they're both really good at ad lib. So I basically fed them the situations and fed them the interview questions and had them answer in character. And it turned out fantastically. I really can't wait for people to see those bits. 
That's that's super interesting, yeah. Yeah. Very little ad-libbing in brick films. Right? I was really hoping to get some in, and I did, and it's fantastic. I actually have a ton of extra ad-lib content that I was like, man, I really, I, maybe I'll play this during the credits or something, because <laughs> I just want to have it in here somewhere. And there are actually at least three or four shots where I like the dialogue enough that I just animated it anyway, even though I'm not going to use it, just so I can <laughs> for sure put it in the in the credits or yeah. somewhere. You totally should put it in the credits because I would imagine they would make people appreciate the ad-lib nature more if they were to watch the film again, knowing how it was came together. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, what I was planning to do when I got around to that point, which I'm almost at, I just got the last set to work on now. I finished animating on this one. I just got to tear it down and build the last one and animate that. But anyway, uh, what I was planning to do is have those clips kind of Pixar style hopefully, where they play during the credits, and then play some just straight dialogue of us doing ad-lib recording, because, you know, when messing up and stuff, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I got those voice actors in September or October, and then I started animating in December of 2017. And so when do you think the film might be coming out? Um, hard to say. It'll be this year. Unless okay. I get delayed a ton, but as far as I know, my year isn't going to be horribly busy, so I should be able to get solid work on it done. And it's already February. I've spent the first month on the last set, and the next one is longer, so I'll probably spend more than just a month on it, depending on how much animation time I can get in. Very bizarre feeling after having done so many time-limited contests. It's weird to be able to take a month to build a set. Right. I like it because I don't rush myself and I can get it to a point where, like, okay, I'm happy with this. Now I'll start animating. And e even when I'm animating, I'm like, I'm not happy with this. So I'm not going to keep it because I don't have to, at least to an extent. I mean, I'm still, you know, if I'm taking an obscenely long amount of time, I'm just going to say, okay, I need to actually make progress. So I'll, I'll, be okay with a little bit of flicker here or something because I like the animation or this part of the set. I'll just try to hide it because I don't know how to make it better without spending weeks more on this or something like that. But it's, it's been an experience. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same where even, even on a long project, it's very rare that I really want to reshoot something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as well, like, um, I think if you spend, especially something that's like you spend a year working on like a single project, you, you keep like re-watching stuff and you'll go through phases, I think, of like, oh, you'll, you'll make up in your head that things look bad. Yeah. And then you go through that phase of thinking, yeah, this is, this is terrible. And then you watch it again and you think, actually, it's good. It's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I've, it's, it's been fun. I'll occasionally go back and just watch the old scenes that I filmed upwards of a year ago. Mm. And my memory is actually not too bad when it comes to them. I'm like, oh yeah, I, re I remember that. that. That still looks pretty good. Because like I said, I, I haven't really been allowing myself to get away with a whole lot of low quality stuff. A few things here and there. And then there's just general, uh, the scene set up if, if, if there's not much I can do just work with what i have mm. but yeah i feel like you can spend too much time with a project 
and then it's very hard to judge it yourself until you know maybe a year or two has passed. Yeah, you get to the point where you're nitpicking on the slight and the tiniest things, and you're kind of like constantly kind of going like, do I keep that line in or do I do I take it out? And then like you know, I don't like how he puts his hand up at this this shot, and you're going through all these these like insane like nitpicks, um, and then like you kind of realize that no one's going to notice, you know, yeah. because they're, they're going to watch this film, like, once, and then, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's <laughs> kind of... If you've seen it, like, you know, a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, they they haven't watched every single shot on loop. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely had that to an extent, where I'm like, oh, is that one frame? I don't know. it. <laughs> like, and then I'll I'll just keep animating, and then I'll go back five minutes later, and I'll play it back and i'm like oh yeah that's not noticeable at all <laughs> who cares yeah i know uh, that's like when you think oh this animation might be improved if i cut this one frame okay no it still looks bad what if i cut the frame before that one no what if i cut the frame <laughs> after that yeah. one and it's like, okay but at some point you just have to say it doesn't really matter does it yeah generally speaking though i've actually been really happy with how it's all turned out at least animation wise um because i haven't really been approving shots unless i'm happy with them or for some other reason, I don't want to reshoot them, and that avoidance of reshooting outweighs my unhappiness. <laughs> so either way, it's it's overall <laughs> pretty happy with how it's turned out, and I can still look back and think, okay, yeah, I, I'm glad with how this shot turned out. Maybe there's some things I could improve, but I'm okay with this. And it's weird because I think it's definitely more so than in timed contests. I guess I feel like I need to be doing better. <laughs> Everything I've seen so far is looking great animation-wise, so I'm really looking forward to seeing the full film. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you know actually? Um, one of the one of the things that um, I've kind of got like inspiration from you actually is um, your use of tack, um, like uh, you know, for the figures when when they're not like when the when the feet aren't in shot, like right. That's a really cool uh, technique. That was something that I went into this project wanting to do. I was like, so. Basically, for a bit more context, for each of my bigger projects, I have something that I want to focus on doing. So for the Lose My Soul video, I just wanted to make it look as nice as possible. And by copying the video, I was able to have a reference for that. For Draw, it was supposed to be just like, I want to make like an art house film that nobody understands. <laughs> but it's still, still kind of cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and for this film, I was like, okay, I want to make, first of all, a comedy, because I'm not really great at comedies, so I'll do a more subtle comedy. But on top of that, I want to have as expressive character animation as I want, because this is going to be very dialogue-driven. So when they're talking, or when they're moving, and you can't see their feet, basically anytime you can't see their feet, they're on tack, so I can bounce them back and forth and have them move around dynamically so they're not so static and just up and down our movement. <laughs> I'm doing the out-of-socket animation a lot to pull this off too, but that's yeah. been one of my focuses with this film specifically, having them as expressive as I possibly can. Yeah, I think that's kind of um, something that, um, I think, madly enough, you can almost sort of forget to do, like, when it comes to, um, like, I mean, you know, some some things you always just, just remember to do, uh, like, certain things. I think, like, walk cycle and stuff like that, I think you can probably That's what I was keep. thinking. But, like, um, when it comes to people, like, the expression, expressive animation, it's something you can easily sort of lose track of how you do it. And I think, like... Um, 
you know, I, I always worry, like, I look at my animation and I, I often think, do they look too robotic and stuff like that? I think using the um, tack actually um, is much more of a, it gives them more of a natural movement. Mm. And I think it's just, you know, subtle, subtle movements, which you can't really necessarily get with just on the base plate, you know? I, I like think... when you can follow through on a movement that is happening naturally. Yeah. Because if they're on the tack and you, you're moving one part, so they naturally are going to just lean a little bit one way. So if that starts to happen, you just have to keep going with it. That's one thing that I found with this, is that it's actually really easy to get fluid movements just because of the way the tack works, and you can just continue movements. And I could even bump a character and turn it into a movement. It's 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 surprisingly easy, and I wouldn't really say it's much harder than normal dialogue, just going up and down, because at that point you have to keep the character straight. Um, and at least with this, you can move them all around and nobody cares because they're mm -hmm. supposed to be doing that. It can be very annoying to try to move an arm up, but while keeping the figure dead straight on the studs and not have them wobble a little. So really, it, it kind of gives you freedom in that way if you have them moving more yeah. at all times. As well, though, I think it, it's just better anyway. It just seems more um, natural and just less robotic. Yeah, more yeah. expressive. You Also, I feel like, um, especially with character animation, you don't want to just rely solely on easing in, uh, easing in and out, because I think that gets very repetitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a point at which it becomes too perfect. If everything is eased, it just kind of looks like computer-generated, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah it actually does. It can look a lot like that. those computer-generated things where the movements are too slow, and then they just ease in, ease out. It's like it... It's very robotic, despite being smooth. I think there is a genuine, like, uh, sort of an interesting kind of thing going on in, in brick filming at the moment, because I think people like um, Sanjua, um are really kind of um, pushing forward that idea of, of having that very cartoony uh, style of animation. I think people are more open to, like, 12 frames per second and that kind of thing, where the animation is kind of... It doesn't really rely a lot on easing in and out, and it's kind of more... Um, blocky, but done in a kind of done with care, I think, if that makes sense. And it, it kind of it, it it can work, I think. Just kidding. Popularized the style way back when, and yeah. now Sanjira brought it back in higher quality. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Just Kidding is the OG. And if it wasn't for Just Kidding, then you wouldn't see nearly as much of that from people like Sanjira who started around that time. That Just Kidding was pushing that stuff forward. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Everything goes into a sort of uh, a cycle. I think it got to the point where animation was coming too too perfect, and it's like let's sort of try and go look look back and try and do something with more character. I think, and yeah, I think I, I really like that. I guess if one style becomes too dominant, then you can stand out by going in the total opposite direction and doing it well. Yeah, I mean, it, it may come to the point where everybody's doing the kind of. You know, just kidding, and Sanjira style, and then people are going to rebel by making everything look really smooth. You know, <laughs> it, it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> but like, um, I think what you were saying earlier, I think it's kind of interesting how, you know, you're saying about like you might accidentally knock someone over, um, and you you sort of turn it into like a movement. Um, I think that's something that's um, uh, an interesting idea. Like, um. Like if you if you make a mistake, just sort of improvise and just go with it. Like I, I, that happens a lot with me. I, I gotta be honest. Like I'll have like 
um, the film I just did, there's one shot where um, I was sort of panning back, and um, one of the I knocked one of the characters over, um, so I just turned it into like a bell that you know just, he just sort of like he just sort of duck, ducks down because <laughs> otherwise I didn't I didn't have to just do the whole thing again, you know. <laughs> That's I actually really like the idea of making a mistake but being able to work with it. I think it gives it more character. And yeah. at least it's not going to work for all styles. I mean, some people are going to want to make films that are very precise and planned, and that's fine. But I like the idea personally of being able to work with mistakes and yeah. turn it into something unexpected to literally anybody because it was an act of chance. I think some of the best things about a film, and it could be a, you know like any any form of film, um, can often come from the mistakes or things which you know weren't intentional. Yeah, and of course in stop motion, it's it's rarer because you know yeah. it's all done frame by frame. There's not much room for something to just happen naturally. And in any sort of animation, it's going to be rarer because. You have it's it's a process that doesn't allow that so much, but that's that's one thing. Like I mean, right from the start, I was trying to do kind of an unexpected thing with this by having my actors ad lib their lines in the first place, so I'd be kind of figuring it out along the way. I had a script, but I just gave them the situation and worked with what I got. And I feel like though it can happen not as a result of making a mistake but sometimes you have an idea in your head of how a movement is going to look and you start trying to achieve it and it just kind of naturally takes you in a different direction once you start to see the first few frames coming out you just think to yourself clearly it should go it should happen this way and not the way i was originally envisioning it so you can get a little bit of improvisation from that oh i do that all the time i have a general idea of the scene in my head but if it looks terrible as I'm doing it, I'm just like, scratch that. I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I think, actually, um, that's one of the um, interesting things about Stack, is that um, you do get a lot of situations like this, where you you spent, like, say, half an hour working on this shot, and it's not going the way you expected it to. But, you know, every, you know the time is going by, you just sort of think, let's just, let's just go with it, you know? You don't necessarily have time to have a, you know, a fully fleshed out storyboard, so you're just improvising as you go along. And I think that that's kind of, it, you, you end up with some really kind of like war, um, sort of like un- ideas there. Well, for this stack, we actually did have a storyboard, and it was insanely helpful because we had two animation setups. Mm. We had the storyboard on Sync Sketch. So we could both have it open on our computer and we would just be like, hey, I'm taking this shot. And then the other would know not to animate that one. And then we just cross it off once we were done with it. And so we could just flip through the storyboard and see what needed to be animated. I was going to say that it becomes much more useful to have a storyboard when it's more than one person making it. Exactly. Yeah. So everybody's on the same page and it can help that collaboration be pulled off smoothly. Although, I mean, I'd say that uh, in the end, it's easier <laughs> to have a storyboard, uh, even if you're just one person. Because um, during Thack, I I spent the first like a uh, couple of hours trying to go without a storyboard. And I just realised I just couldn't do it. I'm so used to like going by storyboards, and I think it's one of the things that in like in university they're kind of like they try and really sort of force this like, this idea that you know storyboards are essential, you know. And as they sort of like try and engrave it into your memory, you know, and it's like I just I just couldn't do it without 
um, a storyboard, so I just quickly drew up some sort of really badly drawn <laughs> pictures because I just couldn't do it, you know? I couldn't do it without a basic plan, I think. I don't really ever use storyboards for myself. I like the idea, but I can never translate my mental image of what's supposed to happen to paper. I just play around with the camera until I'm like, okay, that's what I want. But for collaboration, it was really helpful for sure. And like I said, I like the idea of it. It means there's less for me to have to remember in the moment because I have the guide right there. But it just doesn't really work out that great in practice. There is, there's still something great about just making obviously go along. You know, it's it's all a balance. I think some great things can happen that are not scripted, that are not storyboarded. And I think you should, you shouldn't rely solely on just that. You know, you should see how things go naturally. I think. Yeah, and I I don't want to cut myself off from being able to have something unexpected happen and then be like, oh, no, it's not in the storyboard, so I can't keep that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess before we actually start cutting down the films, um, I guess I might as well ask, what would you say is the most difficult thing that you've ever animated? Oh, oh that's an interesting question. Okay, yes, I know what it is. And it was 100% my fault because I was using clay and not sticky tack. <laughs> In the end of the music video, there's one shot with the guy pulling out the gun. It's like 11 seconds long or something. And I was using clay on his arms. And he needs to be slowly bringing his arm up because it's in slow motion. It was not technically challenging, but because I did it poorly, <laughs> it, uh, that was so... I think I had 12 takes at least and i i if i just grab a few frames and i'm like oh that's not great i don't start a whole new take i just delete the frames and start over like a take is where i've gotten a significant chunk of this animated and then it got screwed up uh so that was not fun um technically speaking mm, probably something from draw where i was moving the camera around while stuff happened i'm trying to think uh, trying to animate in that hallway was kind of hard. I did make the walls removable so that I could get in there. One would think that the shot, like peering down from above, was hard, but that's actually super easy with my rig. What, what sort of a rig is that? Um, it's got two pivot points on the camera, both um, vertical ones. So I can tilt up and down at two different angles and kind of work it around. I know that's not a great description, but I have a video on my channel that I have. I feel like I've I've seen that video, actually, now that you mention it. So it, it would be a shame now if you were to upgrade to a DSLR and you couldn't use a, a rig like that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that at this point, honestly. <laughs> I'm so used to the C920. And actually, interestingly enough... That was the first time I ever shot on a DSLR for a film. And I didn't have any problems, despite the fact that it was Thack. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel it's it's not too hard to uh, make the jump. I mean, there are things that are pretty different about it, but at the end of the day, you can still take pictures and string them together. Yeah, if I had thought about it, I probably would have been more wary. Because I was like, oh, it's Thack. I mean, 24 hours if something goes wrong... Mm. Uh, I don't know, but 
I didn't really think about it that much. I was just like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. It'll but match Chris's camera better because he's got an SL1. The things that you've managed to do with a webcam, I think it's probably the, the best visuals that anyone's ever gotten out of a C920 between the Lose My Soul video and uh, Draw as well. Yeah. yeah, that too. I would have to work pretty hard to up that and seeing as I can do nice stuff. And I know the limitations too. I know there are things like, oh, I shouldn't do this if I want to get a nice quality image because the webcam is so particular. For instance, low light is so much better than a lot of light because that blows out the camera's sensor and it looks terrible. So little light is much better for shooting in. Whereas with a DSLR, I could light it a lot and then have just some really bright lights and then, you know, tone it down with the ISO and shutter speed. Yeah. So there's more maneuverability in terms of picture there. But I know how to work with it. I know how to get it to look nice. And so I would have to work pretty hard to learn the DSLR craft yeah. at this point. Until I got a DSLR, I never realized how incredibly wide the lens of the C920 is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm trying to just do close-ups, more yeah. or less. It's almost impossible to fill out a background with a webcam, I find now. Right. Yeah. What would be so nice is literally this camera set up for lenses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. And, you know, if I really felt like it, I could buy a C920, pull it apart, and build my own thing but i don't want to do that it's too much work <laughs> i i just think that um with what you've managed to achieve with um c920 i honestly kind of forgot that you you used one yeah because it's just like <laughs> the quality is just is just amazing yeah honestly i think when you get to like 1080p the quality is just you you can it, it kind of blends with like dslr you can't really tell between the two it's not that easy to kind of tell i have seen films that use both and yeah you wouldn't really know unless you're looking out for it closely. Yeah. I would say that, um, like, the C920, the quality does decline a lot when you zoom in. Because it's not a true zoom. It's just mm -hmm. digital blowing zoom. up the picture. Yep. Yeah. That's one of the biggest disadvantages um, C920 has. I mean, I do it quite a lot, um, like, zooming in, but I just try to make sure I don't zoom in too much, you know? Yeah. Well, I would just kind of pretend that it doesn't even have a zoom capability. Yeah, that's what I do. I don't <laughs> want to compromise the quality. I mean, but I'll I mean, crop a bit, but... A bit, only a tiny bit, yeah. Yeah. When I saw the Lose My Soul video, I, I thought that was DSLR at first. Mm. But then, of course, there were these crazy camera close-ups, and uh, is there a first-person arms shot in that, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, there's not one of those in that. Okay. But but still, at, at some point you begin to, to question it, like, hold on a second. Could this be webcam? It looks too good, but some of these shots seem like webcam placements. <laughs> so it's almost more impressive for you to continue using the CN20, I guess, if you can make it that good. Yeah, I, I've always been kind of of the opinion that um, it's not necessarily about what you use, it's how you use it, I think, um, in, in a lot of ways. I think you can manage to um, achieve amazing things with not the best technology and and I think um, the C920 is, if you, if you put your mind to it, you know, you make something that is as visually impressive as something done with DSLR, I think. Well, Mighty Wonder can at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've always just assumed that he's a wizard because 
you know, after seeing those films, I take a look through my own scene in 28 and I'm just thinking, why doesn't, why does it look like that? <laughs> Don't yeah. give away my secrets, Penta. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, is, is there anything else that you'd like to ask before we uh, head over to the countdown? I was just going to suggest that if we're going to be talking about the pack top 10, we should probably get into it by now. Yeah. Oh yeah, sounds good. Sure. Okay, so um, the 10th place uh, was Specimen C Outbreak by Student Ninja Nerd. Yep. So, yeah, this is very visually um, impressive, I think. I mean, I- I'm probably going to say this quite, uh, with a lot of the um, uh, the entries this year, but it's true that I think uh, a lot of the, the standards for the, the entries this year, like, the, they don't necessarily look like Thack films. For sure. Like, they just look really kind of, like, polished and... Just look, they just look really nice, as, as, as you know, to sort of put it simply. And I think um, Specimen C is a great example of that. I like how this one sets the mood well with the lighting and everything. It starts out very sterile and white and crisp, and then it kind of gets darker and, and murkier toward the end. And I think that sets the tone really nicely. That's probably my favorite part about it. I like that uh, there's a lot of inset lighting, but it's not done in a kind of show-offy manner. It's it's only there where it should be there. Mm, yeah. But I'm impressed that he put so much in. It basically in every set, even for tech. I didn't even really think about it until you mentioned it now. So yeah, that was subtle but effective. Yeah, that's what I like. I also it's it's nice to see um some of the more recent people climbing up the the top tens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got. Thistoff and Student Engineered in the top 10, and Undershadow. Thistoff's basically been making top 10 since he began. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just, um, it's impressive how much, like, uh, suspense he manages to build up um, in such a short length of time. Like, it's only uh, it's only a little over a minute long, but that tension does build up, I think. Um, it kind of it has a moment of sort of, like, calm, you know, in, in the middle. It feels longer than it actually is, and I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> but he used it. Feels like it should be a lot longer because of everything that's in there—the the building suspense and the calm moment, and the uh, well. I mean, those are the two big things. Yeah, usually that would be a negative thing, but in the case of a tech film, it's a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was actually um, first time I watched it. I imagined it was three minutes long. Like I, I, I completely forgot that it wasn't. And then I, I watched yeah, it again. Yeah, actually, the same experience. I yeah. thought it was like three minutes, and then I looked, <laughs> looked back at it again. I'm like, oh, it's under two. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so, we should talk about number nine now. Mortality. Yeah, yeah by uh, James Coward. This is what I was happy to see make the top ten. This one was interesting. Um, I, I like that there was a more dialogue-driven, conceptual film in here. Yeah. I think it's nice because I think uh, a lot of the time um, Thack is sort of taken over by a lot of very funny films. It's nice to have one that's genuinely quite serious. Um, and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice story, actually, um, that kind of idea that, I guess, not being afraid of your mortality and sort of living life as, as, as much as you can, I guess. Yeah, I, I like those kind of stories. I also think it's, um, it's really nicely shot and I like a lot of the, the lighting, especially when he's talking to his friend. It's kind of dark, and yeah, I like that. The animation is also really nice, and um, yeah, I think it's just like conceptually, it's it's it stood out from I think most of the films. Yeah, conceptually, it's rather un- unlike the other entries or many things we ever see for Thack. That's my favorite part about it: the conceptual side of it, and especially because it's a Thack film, and it stands out because of that. 
I think there's like, if I had like one criticism, his interaction with his friend is a little weird. Like he seems, he doesn't seem very shocked or sympathetic about the fact that he's dying. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like he's, <laughs> I get, I get the idea. I mean, I think a lot of it is the time restraint and that kind of thing where, you know, you need to get the story across, but like he's, he's very kind of just like, oh, that shouldn't stop you. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. If it, if it wasn't a Thack film, I think you probably would have had more time to develop that, I think. If I was to criticise it, it would be that um, I laughed at the scream at the end. It just comes out of nowhere and it's so loud and screamy, you know? <laughs> it would be an absolutely fantastic comedy film scream. At least it's not like a, a hushed scream like oh, you yeah, have in half of the Thack films where he's like, <sighs> So, points for realism at least. Not realism, but, you know, effort. <laughs> Points for <laughs> now, actually now screaming. Now I sound insensitive. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one kind of visual thing I really like um, about the film is that, that whole thing of him running backwards um, and then it kind of turning into him running forwards is um, just like a really nice visual thing. I like, I like that. Um, for something that's kind of dialogue heavy, it was some sort of like visual storytelling in that, I think, which I liked. Yeah, it's good to kind of tie it, it all together. Yeah. Add in something visually. I mean, the visuals are nice throughout, but yeah. Have the visual conceptual as well as the dialogue. Yeah. The conceptual dialogue. Yeah, that's what's nice. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the last time I'm going to say this because I'm going to say this a lot otherwise, but again, it doesn't look like a, a Thack film. That's just like, I think that's going to be, I think that's how hmm. the standard of this, of this, this stack is that they just, uh, a lot of them just, just, they have a lot of like different sets and, you know, a lot of detail, um, in them. Uh, just when you compare it to a lot of like the early Thack, you know, films, yeah. um, it just, yeah, they don't, they don't look like <laughs> Thack films. Um, and again, it's like, it's, um, it's quite, there's a couple of uh, different sets actually in the film. I think there's, I've seen there's, there's four sets. That is something that I often consider is, uh, how far it has come and what people know is possible to achieve with tech. Because if you watch early tech films, it's like they don't even, you know, a lot of them are just one shot the whole way through and oftentimes one set. It's, it's, it's it was so unproven. Whereas nowadays, there's, it, so much has been done. People know that it, it is possible to make a slightly longer film or a, you know, multiple sets that are nicely lit even within 24 hours yeah people are really pushing the boundaries of what is possible i think in in 24 hours because i think in you know in in the early years um it was kind of like yeah you know admittedly i'm not going to make something that's that great it's 24 hours let's not try to be too ambitious like in this day and age people know some of the films that have been made <laughs> in 24 mm. hours and they're kind of just yeah let's just try and make it look really polished and make it look more like i don't know a brawl film you know <laughs> I just, I just hope it, I hope it doesn't go too far. You could get to the yeah. stage where everyone tries to go too ambitious, and then there's like no entries because they all failed. Yeah, yeah, that would be really sad. Yeah, I think there was kind of like something that um, Nathan Wells did say actually in in, in the um, last episode of the podcast about not trying to be too ambitious because it's going to happen when you, you try just a little bit too hard, and it's just it's just not going to work. I mean. If it keeps going higher and higher every single year, it, it it might eventually happen that there's a noticeable dip and everyone will say, whoa, what happened? Yeah. And then in the next week or two, suddenly all these absolutely mind-blowing films will come out and they'll all say, this was originally supposed to be for Thack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shall we head over to... Um... Yeah, we should talk about reflexive now. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, this was, this was one that I was really um, happy to see be in the top ten. I just like the whole I don't know, concept of having um, a mirror. You know, just like in general, it's just a really cool uh, idea, and um, it's a really nice you know visual storytelling in this in this film. And um, again, kind of a, a more serious film. Yeah, yeah, and it's more conceptual, like the last, which is nice to see a couple of them in the top ten. Well, I guess even a day in the park could be considered conceptual. It's not quite as serious as mortality, though. I think the 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 interesting thing about um, reflexive is that um, it it does have a kind of I suppose almost like cartoony animation style. It does yeah. Um, despite it being quite serious, it's quite surprising. I think the end it, it makes it kind of surprising. Um, when you realise that it is actually quite serious, you know. Um, Maybe there's a bit of a disconnect. Maybe it's kind of a bit strange for it to have such cartoony animation, despite not being a cartoony premise. I think it could have benefited from some more serious animation, which admittedly does take longer, and it's back. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know... But I know that, I mean, Under Shadow has been um, using more cartoony animation style the whole time and is quite good at it. That's true. That's true. So it must just come naturally to him. I think it is kind of, at the end of the day, it's kind of what you're more, like, familiar with. And I think um, a lot of people these days are more kind of um, familiar with that cartoony animation. Whereas I think, I don't know, I I, I think I sort of struggle to do cartoony animation, actually. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Thak is really good for just running with what you know how to do because you know how to do it well and you can produce a film quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Using what you know how to do well. So I think it's kind of, it's an interesting um, kind of example of what comes out of Thack, I think, actually. That kind of, you know, something that's kind of conceptual, but it's done in a cartoony way. Whereas I think mm-hmm. if you, maybe if if you had more time, you may have, maybe not have animated it that way. Perhaps. I really yeah. like the end, though, how it ends with that above shot. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I suppose at the end of the day, though, it's you're still looking at Lego, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe we're, we're overthinking it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a possibility. I mean, if if you're going to get, like, overly picky, you know, like, the hairbrush in one of the shots, it's not exactly the same as it is in the reflection, you know? I mean, <laughs> you can you can nitpick, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's no point to that. No. <laughs> anyway, good film. Yeah, it's good film. 10 out of 10. <laughs> So, hey, You Can't Go Home by Tistoff is next. Yeah. And this is certainly one of my favorites. I Yeah, this was really cool. Did you guys see the behind-the-scenes video that he made? Yeah. You know, the process uh, of the kaleidoscope uh, effect? Kind of like, as soon as that came out, I was like, I've got to, I've got to watch this. Because yeah, I was actually I genuinely, this. I was genuinely kind of like, really kind of amazed. Like, 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 like how, how was this done, you know? <laughs> and um, yeah, it's... Um, I think the, the the way that you know the process that he went through to to make it is actually really interesting in itself. I'd like to uh, know if he came up with how to make the effect before Tack, or if he just had a general idea of how you might do it and only tried it for the first time. Because I can't imagine trying to get that to work and look right during Tack. It sounds like a nightmare. It sounded like he had a general process down from the video, but he made a comment about having to tweak the process because something wasn't working out like it was supposed to. So I, at least part of it was not done beforehand, as far as I can tell. I could be wrong uh, about that, but that's that's the impression that I got from the behind-the-scenes video. Yeah. 
he, I remember him saying something um, like on the day of Thack that I, I don't think he was planning to actually um, release this as a Thack film because he was going to make this music video anyway. But then I guess he just decided that it was it was going to be a Thack film. That's possibly what what stands out the most to me about it is it came out so well that it's it feels as if you could have if you had spent months and months working on it you could have achieved the same result and it would have been good still. So it's 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 interesting that he managed to make it this good in just one day. Yeah. Yeah. He could have done this without being stack, and it, it really just sort of show what you can do in in twenty four hours. I think like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I always love these non mini fig films, where there's just bricks kind of going around the place. Yeah. They always appeal to me greatly, and I like how he uses the the bricks to occasionally tie in with the lyrics. My favorite part is is how he uses the trees. And you know you have like different sized trees, and they kind of that that was really cool. I thought. Yeah, and I especially like when the trees continue to blink in and out over the next thing that comes in. Yeah. Oh, that's how we did that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even. That did not register that it was trees. It's like the first time I saw I saw it. I I didn't actually believe it was wheel. If that, if that <laughs> makes sense, it's like it looks so kind of. I thought it was some sort of digital effect or something. It looks so good, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It was really interesting seeing his process because I'm glad he did make a video about it because I was like, I was generally like, how did you make this, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely one of my favourite entries, but at the same time, I was kind of wondering if it was going to make the top 10 or not because I'm not sure if it does it relate to the theme much. I guess he discovered that he could make it. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, it did manage to get in there. Mm, yes, and I'm glad about that. I actually yeah, watched so the behind-the-scenes video before I watched the video itself, because I saw it on Twitter, and I just played it, and I was like, oh, he made that one, because I hadn't gotten around to watching the entries yet. I really like <laughs> when he showed the uncropped, like, original frames animation, and you can see there's just a bunch of random stuff strewn around just outside of where it's actually <laughs> going to be captured. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, so suddenly he's just holding something with his hand still in the frame. I love all that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's really cool. Uh, but I think it's as well, like, um, there are just times, I think, when the film is just so good that it kind of just, it, it, it has to have a place in the top ten, even if it's not really necessarily too connected to the theme. I think this is like agree, one of those yeah. examples, you know. That's what I feel about this one, yeah. It's like, you, you couldn't exclude it. Yeah. <laughs> so in sixth place... Is Old Man Jack by Ice Fox. Yeah. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, once again, incredible visuals for a tech film. Yeah. That's kind of a running theme here. It's nice for just a normal film, but especially for a thack film. So much smooth animation and nice techniques. My favorite shot is right there at the end where he just slams his hand down on the door and the trunk falls shut. I thought that was great. It's a really nice car as well, actually. Yeah. And it has an opening boot. I was just going to comment on that. It is a really nice car design. And I think, I don't know, I, you know, cars are kind of notoriously difficult to make in Lego form without them yeah. coming across as a bit weird. Um, and it's, yeah, it is a really nice car design. Um, Reminds me a lot of the film I made for Tac 12. Oh, yeah, well, Warshaw. Yeah. I was just going to say that, like, this film reminds me a lot of Warshaw, actually, as as a concept, I think. And the car and everything, yeah. In the ending sequence, uh, a guy with his uh, mouth binded in the in the boot that 
is an actual opening boot of a car. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder if he saw that or if it's just a coincidence. I thought it was nice that you could tell he put some thought into the sound design here. It's not just your stock sounds that you find in brick films a lot. Yeah, and I always find the sound design is probably the hardest thing to do anyway decently for tech. Right. Yeah. Usually, it's put off until the end. That's what I At did in my case. Yeah. <laughs> I spent yeah. So little time on that. It's 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 so hard because. I think generally you you want to spend a lot of long time in the post production, and when, when it comes to Thack, you you've like spent say twenty two hours animating. You're like, oh right, okay, I've gone a little bit too far. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's getting quite late now. I need to start editing this, and you you have to very quickly find like stock sounds and you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's great if you can manage to spend a decent amount of time working on the on the sound design i kind of feel like i always look at the time remaining and it's like in my mind it only registers as time to animate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. animation so then... and then you're done that, that's that's how it works right <laughs> but then suddenly there's four hours left and you're thinking oh my god i have to edit this entire film <laughs> yeah i always think oh well you know it's fine you can have like an hour and be fine and then you just realize that yeah, that editing process is mm-hmm. the thing that can really sort of, you know, like kill you, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, one of the things I really like about the film as well is um, it, the outside shots. You've got um, a really nice um, like depth of field. Yes. I thought the the force perspective is really good. And there's like um, a couple of layers of mountains. And um, I thought that was really nice. Yeah, it is nice. And I really like how he had the foreground scrolling along as he walked. That was a nice effect. Yeah, I did a film with a car in a desert as well, but his desert certainly looks a lot more real. <laughs> it actually keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> so for tech, again, impressive work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Should we continue to the top five? Yeah, I suppose we shall, yeah. So, um, Wasteland by uh, Trickerbrick. Yeah, no surprise to see Twicker Brick in here. <laughs> yeah. This is another one that definitely feels longer than a minute twenty, at least to me. Yeah, I think it's um, very atmospheric in the same way that I think the previous one was. You know, there's a there's a really nice sense of atmosphere. I think I really like the opening shots actually a lot. What, that that first wide shot, um, you get to see the, the area a lot, and I don't know. I think it's 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 a very nice looking film. Um, I mean, as, he, as to be expected with Chucker Brick, I think. Mm-hmm. One of those kind of films that it's got a really nice... It, it takes a lot of time to really sort of build up that kind of feel. That's probably its strongest point, is, is its atmosphere. I really like, and this is a really subtle thing, but I really like the walking in this film, especially in the start. Um, the first shot where he kind of slows down and then stops walking. It's not like he just walks up to a point and stops moving. He's actually walking along and then slows his steps and comes to a halt and then notices the lantern. And I think that was a really nice effect that pulled off the atmosphere. This guy is in the cold. He's just kind of walking along and he's tired and then he just slowly slows down and comes to a stop before noticing a heat source. Yeah, it's very impressive because I often find that it's really difficult to get those really exact movements when a figure's walking. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I need to kind of work on is um, working out like, like a walk cycle where, you know, like when you slow down, it kind of, it doesn't just suddenly stop. Like, I have like a, more frames for that kind of slowing down kind of thing. Yeah, easing been... in for walking. Or <laughs> yeah. easing out for walking. Yeah. 
I've been trying to break out of just using the same old walk and run cycles as well. Walk cycles are really weird because um, I think you could literally do the exact same thing twice and they won't, they won't have the same results. Like sometimes it'll just look terrible and then other times it'll look perfect. It's really strange. <laughs> <laughs> I think your opinions of that animation can change like, every time you watch it. It's like, actually, this doesn't look terrible. It looks good, you know. <laughs> But like one of the things I really like um, in this as well is he moves his head. Uh, I think it's like about 14, 15 seconds into the video, and he he, he continues to walk and he he moves his head. That kind of detail is really nice because um, that's the sort of type of thing that I think people forget to do. Adding yep that kind of thing. It's the you little know, details. Earlier we were talking about using the blue tack when the feet aren't in view, and I feel like you could use that to good effect to make the walking better. I mean, in in your own works, obviously it's great in this. Yeah. Yep. Did you see French Wines by Maxime Marion? There's one shot in that where a figure is walking very expressively, and it's very unlike the, the usual walk cycle in every film. I did see that. I don't remember the walk cycle bit, though. It's, a, it's the kind of thing that I'm looking at and thinking I'd like to incorporate techniques like that. Yeah. What is the... Because the standard um, walk cycle for, like, I guess 15 FPS, but also works in 12, is that um, four, four, four points, frame, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I kind of think that sometimes it just looks too fast. Uh, I always do a six step. Yeah. Yeah. Six frame. Because I don't like how fast it is at four frames. Yeah, I think perhaps that's something that I want to try out, I think. I, I guess you'd need tack, I suppose, to get it exactly right. I don't... Not necessarily. It really depends on the legs and the base plate or plates that you're using. Yeah. It is possible without tack. Yeah. I've been able to pull it off without tack. I'd say at least the majority of the time I do at least use like a little blob in, in the corner of a foot that you can't see in the camera just to kind of hold it in place a bit better. I find the six frame walk incredibly finicky though. It is, but it looks so much better if, <laughs> yeah. if you pull it off right. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, uh, I'm not sure if I'd want to do a six uh, frame and a, a walk cycle when you've got like I don't know five figures walking oh, no. around, like <laughs> I think in that in that case I'll just have to go with the four. I think <laughs> I animated that yesterday. No, it was a couple of days ago. I did that with four figures all on the six walk cycle. Oh well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing that a large project would allow. Yeah. yeah not a Thack film. Not no. suggesting to do that for Thack. Yeah, that'd be yeah. the kind of shot that you'd you'd take the entire day just for that one shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe that kind of four-frame uh, walk cycle might be better for a, a sort of in-between, you know, walking and running, kind of like a walking in a fast pace. Kind speed of. walking. <laughs> yeah, speed walking, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably, that'd probably be better for that, maybe. If, if, you, if you go by the, you know, the six, the six frames. Yeah, it's a brisk pace for sure. Um, it'll have its uses. Might as well have a couple different speeds that you know how to do. Yeah, I, I guess it it really just depends on what angle you're filming from. Because I think, like a wide shot, and you're kind of like I, th I think like that that wide shot you have in in um, Wasteland actually. The, um, I think a, a four frame walk cycle would work fine with that. It's just I think when you're walk you you're what you're facing someone or you're you know you're looking for them from behind, that walk cycle just looks too fast. Then I think. But yeah, I guess, I mean, aside from the, the, the walk cycle, is there anything else you'd like to say about the film, I suppose? Well, <laughs> kind of related, but I just feel like the atmosphere is so strong that 
you don't notice exactly that it's a lot of walking. Because, you know, there's a lot of brick films where I, I see them and I think to myself, oh, there's, there's too much walking. You should have cut that out and just, you know, gone somewhere else. But in this, it actually makes sense. So I think that's worth pointing out. Yeah, that's true. But um, I could draw a comparison to a film that Twickerbrick made and released in 2009 that's called Kensington. There's one sequence in that where a guy walks down like an entire street and the camera follows up the whole way and it just keeps going and going and going and he turns the corner and he walks up to the door and <laughs> it's just like it wasn't thought out why all of this walking is being shown to the viewer. Whereas in this film, it, it's all deliberate. It's much different to how I often feel about lots of walking in a brick film. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, I think this is true of live action as well. You've got to kind of work out how much walking is really essential because sometimes you need it to kind of, for pacing, I think you need like maybe, I don't know, an extra four seconds of someone walking. But then sometimes, uh, you know, those four seconds of somebody walking just a little bit too long, you know? And I think sometimes it, it it's it's, I think it's like you have to go by case by case, but... Yeah, always. If it's something that doesn't really have a lot of atmosphere, then it's probably best to kind of keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the main point that I was trying to get across. It's that I often feel like you should try and minimize the walking, but it's not universal. Yeah. There's always an exception. Always, yes. So, um, shall we head over to a day in the park? I think we should. Yeah. I think we spent enough time talking about walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the Day in the Park by uh, Silent Frames. Yeah, I mean this is a really nice looking film. I think. <laughs> um, I think Silent Frames has a sort of a, a specific look. I think to his films, like you can always kind of tell somehow. I think it's him. There's a really nice. I think it's a really nice sort of like warm looking film. Yeah, it, it is very warm looking actually. Yeah, it is. I really like his set. It's well fleshed out, which is nice for a Thack set. It looks really nice out of focus. Yes. Yeah. It's a great background. Mm-hmm. And he uses a lot of tight focus, so it's nice. Yeah. Um, I, I have to be honest, like, the first time I watched this, I didn't know how to react to it. And I'm still kind of, like, um, a bit unsure exactly how to interpret it, if that makes sense. Like, it, um, so at the very end, I mean, you see that he's in a wheelchair and he's sort of tied up. I don't know exactly what, what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> I think that's him strapped into the bike seat because you can see his mom is standing next to a bike here. So I think this is just one of those like kid trailer things. Oh, yeah. It's not a wheelchair. I thought that it was it was like this is all in his head and he's yeah yeah insane. That's what I was thinking the whole time as well. Um, at first, I actually I, I I don't know why, but I thought it was supposed to be like a joke, and I thought, wait, this is not funny. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was a little confused the first time i watched it because i was like wait is he supposed to be disabled or something that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh but then i saw the bike and i was thinking oh okay it's probably one of those trailers that you stick the kid in he's strapped into that oh okay i'm glad you mentioned it because I, I wasn't sure what to make of it. And now that you mentioned it, I'm pretty sure you can actually see the thing that he's strapped into at earlier points in the films, in the film, and obviously he's not in it. Like, you can just about make it out in the background of certain shots, I think. Oh, okay. That 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 clears a lot up, because I really I was really kind of confused by the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. It, yeah, 121. 
You can just see the bike handles and something yellow behind it. Well, if you go to 015, you can see the whole thing. And it, oh. it's not connected to the bike. But Oh, yeah, you're right. It looks like, yeah, it just connects onto the back of the bike there. It's just a trailer. Well, I got to say, I'm, I'm glad that, <laughs> that you've mentioned oh, yeah. that idea. Because it, it didn't cross my mind before. <laughs> Mystery solved. Silent Frames, if you're listening and we're completely wrong, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I... I... I guess now they got that out of the way, um, it is it is <laughs> it is actually a really nice uh, a really nice film. I think. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Again, as I said before, it's, it's a very warm looking film, and um, I just I just really like that effect of you know that kind of fading into into stone and stuff. It's just, it's just oh yeah. Of, it's really cool. Yeah. This feels like a very classic Thack film to me. Not yeah. like an old film. Where it's low quality or anything, but it just feels like a classic Thack film, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's a fa- it is a very uh, simple film, but it's just done in a it's executed in a really nice way. I think. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So, so should we head over to um, the, the top, top three? three? Top three. Yeah. So um, number three, we've got the Office Job by two awesome guys, um, and this one I'm really happy to see make the top ten because um, I think this is one of the this really stood out to me as being one of the most kind of like polished films, I think, out of Thack. Yes, definitely. Easily, yeah. Yeah, we've been complimenting the visuals of, I think, almost all the films so far, but this one really looks good. It doesn't look like a Thack film at all. Not in the yeah. slightest. It's so clean. It kind of reminds me of Repelling Spider stuff in terms of how clean it is. Mm, I can see that, yeah. And I think it's, um, when you really look at the whole film, there isn't like a whole lot... Um, going on necessarily um but i think it's just like everything is just shot and yeah i think that even makes the shots more impressive because yeah not a lot is going on but each shot seems so deliberate and well executed that's the word i was going to use exactly it's very deliberate and it shows it's great yeah it it reminded me a lot of actually of, of released um which nathan um picked for the last episode um, which again was a Thack film. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison. I guess that's the key. If you want to come third and Thack, make a, a silent film in an office that's nicely shot. Yeah. <laughs> I know what my plan is next year. <laughs> yeah. But you've already come second. You got to aim for first now. No, I have to get third, and then I come in first. That way, I can secure all three of the places. Ah, nice plan. <laughs> and I, I guess I've. I mean, you could say this about pretty much every entry from this year but like it doesn't seem like uh, a thack film it seems very it is very polished it's very you know precise and deliberate and i really didn't expect this kind of standard i think like i was thinking of like the the release as like being this kind of like film which is very unusual for thack you know like usually you can see that it's yeah clearly they've put a lot of work into it but not necessarily like the best you could do but like this is this is really something else and i think Maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that most of these entries are pretty short. I think the longest one is only like two minutes long. In the top and, ten, um, at least, yeah. Yeah. You have like a shorter film, but just spend more time on the small details. So it ends up really benefiting. Uh, I really like this one. Yeah, um, this one I was certainly happy to see come in the top three. Yeah, I'm really glad it made it too. Again, another kind of, I suppose, uh, conceptual film. Again, kind of another sort of theme that seems to have appeared in uh, this uh, back actually yeah i suppose that's true well we should talk about second place yeah i guess um 
you should introduce this one. Yeah, would you like to introduce <laughs> this one? Goblin Rush by myself and Chris of Sloth Paladin, and then our friend Sean. Uh, yeah. Just Sean. Just Sean. Yeah. <laughs> First off, yeah, I just wanted to say that it's kind of amusing that there's somebody who has a co-creator credit of a tech winner that doesn't even have a Bricks in Motion account. He does, technically, oh. uh, but he can't remember what it is. And it was a, an account he made with a friend of his for Thack 10 or 11. Did he actually enter? He did, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I could actually, if you want me to, I could go dig through the results and find which one it was his. Uh, it would take me a minute, though. It's entirely possible that it's listed somewhere on the wiki page. I don't know if it's on the wiki, but I know I found it before in the Thack results from because that year. I have the full results. Or the full list of entries for all years now. Oh, they're all in one page? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, they were still rating every film that came in, so... Well, if you do remember the account name, and if, if he wants the password changed so that he can reaccess <laughs> it, that could always be arranged. Yeah, we'll see if I can find it. So I believe there's a an interesting story as to how you uh, got into collaboration with Sloth. Yeah. Uh, it was probably upwards of a year ago. I was on Overwatch. I was just playing a game with some friends. And a guy on my team, I know, towards the end of the game. It was really close to the end of the game. I noticed his name was Sloth Paladin. And I was like, wait a second. That looks familiar. <laughs> and so I just asked him in team chat, hey, are you with the Bricks in Motion Sloth Paladin? He was like, and he actually didn't see my message because like a couple more minutes of the game passed and he said nothing. So I asked again and I think he didn't see that one either. So I whispered him or something because I was like, I really want to know now. <laughs> so and then he no, what I did, is I pinged him in the Bricks in Motion Discord because he wasn't looking at the chat at all in Overwatch. And he was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> So we started talking, and turns out he moved to Portland here. So he's like 40 minutes away from me. And last year, the Microsoft Store downtown was having events where they would set up a bunch of computers and we could play Overwatch on them. So we got a group together, and he came a couple of the times. So we kind of got to hang out a little bit. And then when Thak rolled around, I had done Thak with Sean last year, so he was planning to come again. And Sloth was like, hey... I'd be down for helping out if you have room. I was like, ooh, yeah, let's do that. So we planned that all out. We didn't really actually get any of the details down until like the week before. Uh, In the spirit of things. Right? (laughs) And on the Wednesday, I don't know. Did you guys watch the documentary I made? Yeah. 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 So you saw the, the Wednesday that preceded Thak. He and Sean, because they're both on the other side of town, went to Brixton Minifigs to grab parts. And we, on Monday, I think, two days before that, we had met the three of us just to kind of figure out what we wanted to do. And we had kind of decided on the D&D theme beforehand because we had them. And more specifically, we had decided on doing multi-scale things. So we had that general concept in mind. So they were able to grab some pieces with the idea in mind that we'll be building faces and stuff. So we had decided that beforehand. And so we were going into it thinking, you know, something Dungeons and Dragons related where we can have the dice like squishing a guy at some point, maybe 
gags like that. And then the contest rolled around and the theme was discovery and it was just too easy (laughs) to have a simple encounter. So we rolled with that. It was not too hard to throw together a quick story and storyboard it all. And uh, Chris had come over the night before Friday evening, set up his computer and animation studio and everything in the garage. So we had two different animation studios going on, mine and his. And then Sean was doing building and stuff in between and behind the scenes footage. A lot of that is his. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you had two animation setups going at the same time, because usually the impression that I get from collaborative tech entries is that's not the case. Yeah, we figured it would be best because we were focusing on style over like length or story. So we could easily just spend all our time getting the stylistic things down. And then I edited it as we went along. So when he was done with shot, a handful of shots, he would hand me a thumb drive and I'd stick those in where they were supposed to go. And then he'd go shoot some more and give me another thumb drive. And we didn't we didn't finish animating until like one or two. And at that point, I really needed to start editing. So I did the sound design and all the transitions and everything. Yeah, I like the transitions between the sort of big world and the in-game world. Yeah, that was a really nice um, effect, actually. Thanks. Um, I really like how that turned out, honestly. So um, how did you kind of split um, the amount of animation together then? Was it uh, it because all three of you did actually animate? Is that right? Sean didn't animate. He was building sets and props for us in between. So is it kind of like a 50-50, the way you split it together with the animation? More or less. It was more time spent. So Chris did less animation overall, but that's also because he spent like two hours working on the first close-up shot of the head because he was figuring out how do I position the head to make it look nice? How do I animate this without it breaking apart all the time? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff. So the first thing I animated was the chest shot with like the, the light behind it. Yeah. And so I just started building that and animating that while he went to start working on faces. So we were just kind of like, okay, I have an idea for what I want to do for this. So I'm going to start working on that. He was like, okay, I'll go work on faces. So he just spent the majority of his time doing each of the face shots because they were all done by him. And we had one face for each character. That was kind of the idea is that we had like the first, the chest thing, the chest being opened was by the rogue guy. And then the goblin being shot, he had a close up of the archer guy. And then the barbarian had his close up at the end. So he spent most of his time just knocking those out. And then he did a couple of the goblin shots at the end. You can tell because he's got that really forced perspective that I'm not able to, that I wasn't able to get with my lens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can tell who's doing what as I watch the film. Yep. His lights are all so much yellower than mine. Yeah, that's kind of, I'd say, the easiest giveaway. Yeah, I toned it down as much as I could. Oh, wait, no, no. The first shot he did was them peering over the edge of the chest into it. He was actually doing that one first, and then he started on the faces. So basically, he was like, hey, I have an idea for this. You have an idea for that. Just do that. Do our separate thing. He started working on the faces because I had started doing the mini scale thing with the side shot of all of the characters sliding up into the middle. Now you said that, I can see um, the difference in the lighting, actually, from Mm -hmm. the different shots. That's kind of, that is interesting, actually. I fixed it as best as I could, but it was that. There was only (laughs) so much I could do. (laughs) I feel like it was an interesting decision to go with the sort of Pokeball and style large faces with some mouth animation for tech. 
<laughs> yeah, we just wanted to make this one uh, a fact to remember. Yeah, and was hundred percent a an influence there. I remember hearing um, Chris say that he he they ha- you had um, pokeballing uh, playing as you were animating. <laughs> um, I think he did actually. He was in the other room, so I didn't see hmm. his active yeah. animation process. <laughs> aside from popping in occasionally i know i had it on up on my computer in the other room just so i could flip over to it if i needed to but i didn't end up doing the faces so i didn't actually use it but i wouldn't be surprised if he had it up on his for a reference i think one of the interesting things actually as well with this is that um you you end up with actually four different scales because you've got the mini figures you've got the micro figures the like those sort of figures you have with like games and yeah, the the um, oh, what are they called? There's minifigures. Oh, those are the micro figures, the ones that are for the games. Oh, uh, yeah. The her- like the heroica ones. And then you've got like the big scale Pokeball in style. I think that's really quite great because it's like um, you know, you would gem- like you wouldn't really think about like having that many different s- scales, but that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I really wanted to push it, and like uh, the when we got together to just kind of talk about this, I actually took Chris's uh, notebook and sketched out like a plot of how the different scales would work. So you have like you have the real life scale of just the people playing, and then a branching off of that is the macro scale of that, but and then branching off in a different direction with the game board, you've got the minifigures. And then the minifigure scale of the game board, and then the microfigure scale of the game board. Yeah, and so it was effectively four different levels. <laughs> we actually decided on what characters were going to be included because of Heroica. I think we had the Dungeons and Dragons idea beforehand, and then we were talking about it, and somebody was like, hey, you know, there's Heroica microfigures. <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, ooh, hey, let's push this as far as we can possibly. Let's get all the scales in here if we're going to have two anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I often feel like I'm not particularly up to date on what exists in Lego. And there could be something that somebody that, you know, most people know about. And, they're you know, they say, hey, you know, this exists in Lego, right? And I'm like, wow, amazing. I didn't know that they had that. <laughs> yep. I could totally use that in a film. Yeah. I totally could have used that last week. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of funny, I think, watching the behind-the-scenes video and, uh, you know, watching um, Sloth uh, make all the, you know, the funny noises for the, the characters. That was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to see the documentaries. Yeah. I'm disappointed I didn't get any video of Sean or myself doing our voices because I was hoping to have all three of us in there. But got some solid footage of Chris. I have, mm-hmm. like, three or four minutes of that. I, I put in a few seconds of it. It was fun to sort through. <laughs> I suppose we should probably talk about the first place winner now. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Sentinel. The Sentinel. Which is of course by Mind Game and Nathan Wells. Yep. Yeah. And two collaborations taking the top two spots. Controversial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> this is definitely a a big year for uh, Nathan Wells and Zach Macias, uh, who together have um they've just won was it Brick Stars uh, first place for best English language film. And uh, now it's as well winning Thack um, with uh, Sentinel. That's a pretty great achievement, I think. And I imagine they'll do well in the BFG Awards as well. Yeah. Already nominated in almost every category. 
But yeah, I gotta say that I know Zach managed to enter last year, but I was very happy to see that both Zach and Nathan actually managed to finish by the deadline. Yeah. I think people are starting to make jokes in the chat about, yeah, we'll see it in, in 2021. In two, yeah, you know? in four years' time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know that Nathan's been hosting TAC for a good few of the recent years, but yeah, it's the first time he's actually finished an entry on time since TAC 4, maybe. Oh, yeah. Would that have been unsound? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's cool that he was able to enter again and, and win first place. <laughs> again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that... Um, I mean, again, very sort of cliche, as I've said this already several times, but um, yeah, it doesn't uh, <laughs> look like a tag film. But also, um, another thing I'd I sort of say as well is that, again, it doesn't feel like it's one and a half minutes, you know? <laughs> I think maybe we'd have to update our uh, general impressions of what tag films are supposed to look and feel like. Yeah. We'd have to go back through the top ten and say, eh, they're all pretty much standard. Everything for tag looks great these days. <laughs> Although, of course, that's not true. These are all top ten for a reason. But then we'll be sort of go- going on, like, nitpicking and, like, <laughs> this only looks great, you know? I mean, it should look absolutely amazing. It's not... But it's just great, you know? How dare <laughs> you not have Nathan Wells and Zach McGuire's levels of animation? <laughs> I think what stands out in a big way about this film is the amount that is implied. You know, it's it's only... It's less than two minutes long, but... It implies a greater world and events that have taken place. Yeah. It sets all that up story-wise very well in a short amount of time. It's great world-building, I suppose you'd say. You get an idea of the whole story. I mean, obviously it's helped by the narration, but um, yeah, it, it gives you a really good idea of you know, the sort of world. And yeah, I think you kind of, you end up, you, you, you finish it wanting to know more, I think. And I feel like if you can pull off that feeling, then your film's going to stand out. Yeah. One thing that I really liked about this that I thought stood out, and I think Zach mentioned it in Discord, or maybe it was on Twitter later, so I was like, oh, that's nice, um, is with stuff floating in space, and specifically that last shot of the statue, how he actually has it turning so you can see it orbiting and floating in space. It's not just like a static image yeah. that he had floating around. He actually animated it turning and it looks like it's in orbit there. And then earlier, when he's got the ship approaching, it's actually moving away from the camera, and it's mm-hmm. not, just again, a static image of yeah. the ship moving towards the Sentinel. Yeah, I think we've all seen the times in Brick Films when it's just a cutout that's just being moved digitally, and it just never looks as convincing. And of course, I mean, I've done it as well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's actually, uh, uh, that's actually a really nice detail. I've been mean, watching that, that shot now, um, there's a really nice kind of like rotation. Again, you wouldn't be able to do it if it was just one image. Um, it does actually turn, and um, I'm really sort of like looking at the edges of the object like, very sort of closely. And the green screen work is just um, sort of phenomenal. I think. Yeah, it's very clean. I mean, you kind of expect that, you know, from like Zach Macias and Nathan Wells, but like it is really clean. And I, I don't think I could ever have the patience to do that. At all, let alone in a tag film, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that I liked, and it's another small thing, but in the shots of the party from the flashback, you've got Zach's sig fig that walks across the screen and then it match cuts to focusing on what I assume is the captain. I'm not sure, but 
I just really like that. And it makes it both of these things just make the whole film feel really clean and polished. It's it's really nice attention to detail that I like. I I wonder if this was intentional, but uh the captain he looks he he's he looks uh, it's actually the same as the character from The Meek and the Bold. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> I'd have to ask Nathan that, I think. Uh, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's a really nice animation. I think Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, of this kind of, like, you know, floating around stuff. The floating just... is really good, yeah. Yep. I mean, I know it's a little cheaty because it's that, but I like how we use the black wire, or maybe it's just normal wire that's wrapped in electrical tape or something, to suspend a lot of the floating things. It's super subtle. You don't notice unless you're really looking for it, but it, I, I assume it really helped their process in finishing this, and it has a great effect without having to be green screened in or masked out. I, I, I kind of like that, um, actually, um, sort of keeping the sort of rigs in if the rigs are not kind of too noticeable. I agree, yeah. I like it when people have inset lighting, but they don't try and hide the wires at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to have, you know, a couple of, I suppose, seams, you know, like, I think one of the things that I know a lot of people don't worry about too much is remnants of tack sometimes. Yeah. That's something I don't really worry about too much. I keep forgetting, so I'm sure there's little remnants of tack if you look closely in the video I'm working on. <laughs> uh, that's what mostly happens to me, but generally I'll clean it up. One of the things that I get, uh, and sometimes I don't notice it until I've finished, is like you get bits of dust or a hair or something, and um, that happens that's happened a lot with me in the past. And there's a scene from one of my films where someone walks over hair and it's it always annoys me every time i watch it it's like <laughs> how could i not notice that when i was doing it you know <laughs> yeah but i mean that, that'll that happen to everyone at some point and i don't think it's that big of a deal yeah I, I try to keep an eye out for hairs but you know they happen there was that one thack film it was about camping there was just like a hair in the middle of the set for half of the film it was <laughs> kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> i think uh one of the funniest things is when uh, if you're animating someone talking and literally for like just like a couple of frames you get like a dust in, on their face and then as you're animating you think, oh, I've got to get rid of that and then suddenly the dust disappears, you know? Yeah, yeah. I honestly, if it's bad enough, I will restart a shot if there is dust and then it disappears or vice versa. Yeah. If it's terribly noticeable, yeah. Yeah. Although what I've done in the past is I might just... Uh, cut out a little segment of the, the frames where the dust is gone and then just like you know paste over the part with the dust with just that little loop of the segment oh right yeah you know assuming that nothing moves through it mm, yeah but yeah i i guess that's uh all the films <laughs> hey Which, nice I, I think that uh it is a great set of results actually I think it's worth yeah. mentioning that. I was very happy with how it came out but yeah like, i agree I, i'd say actually it's um unusual i think that there wasn't necessarily one that everybody thought like, you know, oh yeah, this is the the number one winner, like necessarily. But I do think that's that how there I felt were... as well. There were a couple of ones where I thought, no, that could be it, yeah. Yeah. But I think that just goes to show just how great a lot of the films were. Like all the top ten films could have been in the top three in a, a week a year, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. I really liked the diversity of the top ten. You had, like, going from 1 to 10, you've got, like, a story, just a drama. You've got comedy. You've got kind of a conceptual drama. Then you've got just your classic fact film, where it's a happy story. 
then you've got another subtle drama and you've got a less than subtle drama and then you've got like <laughs> the stops <laughs> uh, kaleidoscope film and then you've yeah. got conceptual kind of then you've got very conceptual and then you've got a zombie film and i also like the team as well i think it lent itself well so that the films aren't all very similar yep yeah it's kind of funny actually um that i was saying at the beginning about how you know mortality was kind of a more serious film when actually a lot of these films were kind of more serious i think more serious than most um top 10 thack films usually are they were all serious except for mine and silent frames and thistoffs Although this stuff is arguably serious as well, you know, actually, you kinda say, go whatever. I'd say Silent Frames is actually serious as well, actually. Yeah, I would have said so. <laughs> well, at least, at least it's not a comedy anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was like a, a comedy in bad taste when I first saw it, but then I realised... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I really think it's just yours and Tistoff's that are more uh, kind of lighter, I guess you could say. Yeah. In general feel. Maybe two awesome guys as well. Yeah, well, that's kind of funny, I guess. But yeah, like yeah. there wasn't like usually you get these kind of insane kind of like uh, wacky comedy films, but we don't really yeah we didn't really get that this year, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean even looking at last year's results, there's a lot more comedy. Yeah, I mean like there's there wasn't any films like Whale 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 or Tree Father or something like that, you know. Yeah, there were a few of those that were attempted, but not all of them were finished. Like. Oh, what was the one that... Oh, Pong Owls one wasn't finished Delivery. in time. I think it was called Delivery? Yeah, Pong Owls wasn't finished in time. I guess Rio did finish his. That was interesting. Yeah. I kind of like how uh, Pong Owls still sort of decided to release his, but just made it make no sense. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's nice just to get... Just to be in the playlist and be involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm then... glad he did. He he did release the, the finished film, and it's just listed as... Oh, this is an entry for tech. So it doesn't say that it actually wasn't finished on time. <laughs> Just kind of wondering if anybody would be thinking to themselves, why, why didn't this make the top ten? <laughs> I did think that the um, what he did release in Sack was actually pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Speaking of Pongas one, though, as usual, there were some very nice techniques in there. Yeah. He had the, the moving water, which I believe he said was a might have been a, a melted lighting gel. It was all deformed, and he was just spinning it around. I think that's what he said it was. <laughs> that's great. I do really like that opening um, sort of scene, actually, um, with the ship and... Yeah, actually, thank you for reminding me, because I need to watch the his actual film. Because <laughs> I haven't actually seen oh, it yeah. yet. <laughs> but yeah, like, the first bits of animation that he did actually complete on time were very promising, yeah. Yeah, as usual from him, plenty of techniques that are rather unusual. Yeah. Yep. And might be worth stealing. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys have any films that didn't make it in the top 10 that you liked particularly yeah actually um one of the ones i think uh, i think people were kind of surprised it didn't place was the predator oh yeah yeah that was a good one <laughs> i don't i don't know if i watched that one hmm. i'm kind of not surprised that it didn't place because i really like it uh conceptually but all the ones in the top 10 have more to them you know what yeah. i mean and i think that'll always do better mm. but yeah the predator was definitely one of the funniest ones in my opinion. Okay, I haven't seen that one. I guess I'll watch it afterward. Yeah, I'm actually just going, just going through them again, actually, as a kind of reminder. Oh, Cured didn't... Uh, even though there were a couple of things in that that I wasn't so fond of, but in general it was quite well made. Cured? Yeah, the zombie film. 
Oh yeah, of, yeah, the zombie yeah. cure experiment. I liked that one. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I really like it. My biggest complaint about it is the digital camera movement, but apart from that, it's really good. I I actually didn't. I specifically made this comment when I was watching it. I was like, it's very obviously digital, but I don't dislike it. It's not like horrible, you know, your typical terrible digital camera movement, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, actually, um, this is one I remember. Uh, th- another one that um, didn't make the top 10 I really liked was um, Camp Catastrophe. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there is a lot of like light flicker um, in it, and it's you know, not the... You know, for that, but um, has some really nice like motion blur. Oh, a bit brick um, build. Yeah, but but motion. Oh blur. yes, yes. I know this is a funny. Oh, funny. actually, um, sorry to cut you off, but there was one that was called the cliff. That was one of my favorites. I don't know if I got to that one. The cliff. Okay. It's like a very long shot of a battle going on, and it's it's like I think it's based on an old flash game. That one, the cliff, T H A cliff. Yeah, I watched that one. I don't think I understood what was going on. Uh, oh, yeah, probably the flash one. animations would have helped give me context. Oh yeah, based on flash animations. Yeah, maybe it's not quite for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. I wasn't too sure about the film for the first like I don't know twenty odd seconds, and then when it actually becomes like this sort of game, it's kind of it is cool actually. I do like it. Yeah, I liked how it just kept going and going and going, and ludicrous things just kept happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, there, there was a decent amount of, of films that didn't make the top ten, which um, I did actually really enjoy. Um, overall, it was a very strong year. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the year with the largest number of entries ever. <laughs> yeah. One of the ones that I liked pretty strong, particularly, it was a lower quality one, but it was uh, it's one of the first ones in the playlist. It's called uh, The Well, or Well? It's called Well, yeah, by Joshua Nelson. It's really short, but I liked it. The, the blowing leaves at the start and the shot of the guy running and peering into the well. It's like really stylistic, but I like it. Um, another one I really like was um, Bertel's entry. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was, that was great. <laughs> I always like his films. Yeah. And I'm glad to see that he's brick filming again. The ending of that was, I thought was really hilarious. <laughs> yep. Oh, The Discovery by Duffasaur. I enjoyed that one. Um, the voice acting by Star Wars Studio was really good. I also like the mini scale that he had in there. I might be a bit biased there, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Legend by Mark Nelson Movies. Oh yeah, Mark Nelson had a great set in particular. But you know what? It feels like we could go through practically the entire list and, you know, really most of them were quite good, I thought. Yeah, I think so. Watching the entire playlist, I mean, usually in text it can get a bit rocky, but I, I don't think that was the case this year. Yeah, there was something to appreciate about most of these. It was an incredibly long playlist, but very high quality. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose we're pretty much finished, aren't we? <laughs> I think so. I think we should stop now before we've talked about all 84 entries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we'll just, just do a, a ranking of every single film. <laughs> the top 84 films of Dak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us. That was, that was great. Yeah. Yes, Thanks thank for you. inviting me. Yeah, and um, yeah, congratulations for coming second place. It was, a, it was a great film. Yeah, thank you. And of course, I'll be looking out for your big project, hopefully yeah. coming this year. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I oh, yeah. Am. Yeah. <laughs> I better have it finished this year with the the point I'm at. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. It's that sort of like you get to like, you know, 95% of the way there and that's the that's the longest 5% to finish. <laughs> Can be, yeah. We'll see though. I am looking forward to having that finished and out of my hair now. <laughs> Actually, how long is the film going to be? Roughly 10 minutes. Very nice. Give or take, probably take just a little bit. Cool. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Yep, thank you. Bye. Bye.